Hello and welcome to the Schooner Pod, where today we are here to discuss the Oklahoma Sooners season opening 73-0, drubbing the Arkansas State Red Wolves. I'm Bobby Howard, joined as always by the Dr. Jameson Maxwell and the Titan of Takes, Mr. Ty Lee. Look, before we get started... <laughs> I, know, I wasn't good. ready for that, but okay. The Titan of Takes. I love. I, I'm, I'm. Look, I'm going to give him a nickname on this one because why not? Uh, but a happy Labor Day to all of y'all joining us live on YouTube, and a sincere thank you uh, for joining us. Uh, feel free to get those questions going in the comments. We'll be sure to answer them throughout the show. And uh, again, don't forget to like this video and subscribe if you haven't yet. Uh, if you're joining us the next day via your favorite podcasting app, uh, hey. Welcome to the show is all, uh, but look, let's, let's get rid of the formalities and talk some football. Uh, Jameson, how great was that win and how much can we take from it? I know Arkansas state, not very good, but 73 to nothing that has to stand for something. I think you can take a decent amount from it. Obviously we're coming off a losing season and coming out and doing everything that we are supposed to do in this game is that's all you can ask for. People are going to try to scrape and try to find weaknesses and improvements from this game. Really, you know, when it comes down to it, there's really not going to be much. And yeah, it might be because of Arkansas State, but also we played really well. So we got to give it up for ourselves for that. Uh, Ty, what are your thoughts on that game? Yeah, this game was exactly what we sort of hoped to, to see when we discussed it last week going into the pregame pod. We wanted to see a, a game that was essentially, you know, no disrespect to Arkansas State, but a, a practice situation. And we'll dive into, you know, what we liked, but. Yeah, maybe not 100% indicative of results to come, but look around college football. A lot of other teams put up some absolute stinkers against teams that they should have handled mm -hmm. Texas. Uh, pretty handily. Yeah, Texas versus Rice. You know, they won that game. They won it by double digits, but that's not, you know, what a lot of people were expecting. We'll dive into stuff like Texas and everything else, I think, Wednesday when we get into our, our picks. But yeah, we did an excellent job. We shut a team out. There's maybe some things to pick out here and there. We saw that we have a firm quarterback one and and we really got, there wasn't anything extremely silly. And I was very happy with the product that we put out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I, I feel like, I feel like the biggest thing is a lot of people are like, well, you know, last year, oh, you looked great. Everyone so, was so excited. The hype was off like through the roof after those first three games. But if you really look at the details beyond the wins, beyond, you know, it between the margins, the performance wasn't like this 73 points is a crazy amount for any ball game, uh, shutting them out. Another whole thing. If you look at the OU teams since Bob Stoops arrived in Norman, this is, I believe the third highest scoring total. The Sooners have put out, um, behind, uh, North Texas in 2007. And I believe, uh, obviously the 77, nothing beat down of the Aggies that everyone, uh, talks yes. about. And, you know, has it holds near and dear to our heart. It was a complete performance in a game that, you know, never was going to be in doubt. But the fact that they showed up and just absolutely stomped Arkansas State, I, I think that I think that has to make you feel a little bit happy. Um, we're not going to win. The, you know, it, it shouldn't make you feel like, oh, this team's going to make the playoff. It changes everything. But the fact that they came in, took care of business and looked that good, that's encouraging. The thing is, like, I asked y'all on the pod last week, what would make you happy in terms of, like, the defense and how many points would be would be allowed? And for the most part, you know, we weren't thinking shutouts at that time. We were kind of hedging in our brain. I think Ty, you said 14. Bobby, I think you said 10 with, like, a garbage time touchdown. Zero points. No matter how bad the Arkansas State 
team looked just feels so, so good that our defense, even though there were some things that you really, like I said, you could scrape at, was honestly really, really appealing to see a zero on that scoreboard. Yeah, I mean, flat out shutout. That feels good. That always feels good, regardless of the opponent. Um, and then obviously dropping up, dropping 73, pretty big as well. Uh, I mean, BYU got a shutout, but it was 14 points. That obviously isn't the same. Um, mm-hmm. So um, anyways, uh, Jameson, a lot of exciting stuff here. Uh, obviously a shutout on the defensive end, 73 points on the offensive end. It's a little hard to pick which side to go with. But I think we got to start with the offense here uh, okay? because there's a little bit more to talk about. I feel like I feel like the defense just kind of did their job um, and we'll get to them for sure. But let's kick this off with uh, Dylan Gabriel. Um, oh, wait, who, I want Ty yeah. to talk about this first is what yeah. I want. Let's let I, I'm with you. Let's let's time. put the bandaid off and go straight to DG. And I believe last week, uh, Jameson, you, you kind of, we kind of asked Ty, you know, like, what do you want to see out of Dylan Gabriel that would make mm-hmm. you feel a little bit better about the situation? Two touchdowns, 308 yards, 19 for 22, uh, you know, th- through the air, and then a set at 97.1 QBR. Uh, Ty, were you pleased with DG last uh, last game? Yeah, look, he was very good. Hey, Bobby, you had the perfect analogy. Let's rip the Band-Aid off because, again, this is a this is a triage situation. Could our quarterback situation be better? Yes. Could it be worse? Yes. We could have Jaden Daniels on our team. So <laughs> I think New Republic you know, enemy number one. Yeah. Dak could find eligibility and transfer to OU. There are worse <laughs> things that could happen to us in the quarterback room. Um, but no, he did he did excellent for this game. You know, any performance you can get super nitpicky, but I mean you can't argue with the numbers. Yeah, there were a good bit of passes, maybe that were more behind someone than they needed to be and, and some things like that, especially on some of those incompletions. But I think it overall, very, very good performance. And when it comes to the quarterbacks, we saw that Jackson Arnold is not ready yet. This is not a, you know, this is not a Caleb Williams backup situation or even a Kyler backup situation where your backup could realistically be competing. Like we saw, I think realistically from Jackson Arnold that, he has a ton of talent. He's going to be an excellent quarterback one in years to come, but this is not the year uh, for him to be taking over the reins. I don't think we're going to be screwed if he has to take over the reins in some situation, but I really think that we saw that Caleb Williams is a pretty firm QB one. Or Caleb Williams is a pretty firm QB one on his team. Uh, Dylan Gabriel is a pretty firm QB one on this team. I don't I, think, I, so, you know, talking about Dylan Gabe, I mean, talking about uh, Jackson Arnold is not being ready is a knock on him more so. It's just like a compliment to what we saw from Dylan Gabriel in this game. Like the things that we had knocks on him, it seems like he didn't deal with pressure that well and obviously didn't have much. Um, and his deep field accuracy. And I feel like he was calm, cool, and collected, which he's was really struggling to do last year. And then his deep ball accuracy was great in this game. So his two biggest weaknesses, I think he overcame. Yeah, Gabriel looked a lot sharper in his deficiencies that we saw last season, which, you know, we obviously went back and forth on Gabriel a lot last year, but, you know, he did have deficiencies. I think there were fair, um, uh, you know, complaints about, you know, things that he could tighten up. And it looked like he tightened them up against, albeit a uh, very lackluster Arkansas State uh, defense. But from what we saw, you know, I mean, he he didn't look this good against UTEP last year, who also was garbage. So I, I will say, I think against air, that would be an impressive performance. So I, 
I, I give it up to DG. I thought he played yeah. very, very well. It, we do um, have to, we do yeah, have to ahead. say on, on the quarterback notes. Um, and again, I, Dylan Gabriel, excellent performance overall. Like I give it a, a nine out of 10, but not only was this Arkansas state, this was Arkansas state's second string cornerbacks that we were playing. So there are, there are levels to this in terms of looking at performance in the future, but this is, it could not have been better than it was. I'll, I'll say that. I think realistically, you couldn't have expected more out of Dylan Gabriel in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And see, so, like, you know, I understand that he had a couple of like, un- maybe I think it was one underthrow and a deep ball, but still like even versus like bad cornerback play, deep ball accuracy is just kind of all in the quarterback's hands. So I understand really small sample size, but I'm like excited for that. But I think like every single podcast and every single OU fan is going to talk about this when we talk about the OU um, quarterback room, you know, Jackson Arnold, you can see that the coaches are like really showing their hand here that that this rumor of he's going to have a part in this offense, you know, not just in slop time. Is he going to be like like Barry Trammell of sellout just said, um, is he going to be a belldozer? I don't think a belldozer is the right way to say it, but that QB power is obviously something that the coaching staff wanted to see more in this game. And that I think that we're going to see a lot from in Jackson Arnold throughout the season. Yeah, and I mean, we definitely do need to talk about the birthday boy, the debutante, uh, Jackson Arnold, three total touchdowns, uh, 114 passing yards, uh, 39 on the ground, and a 100% completion rate, uh, 11 for 11. Really mm-hmm. great start for him. And I disagree with the belldozer take from from our guy Tram, I will say. Um, if anything, weirdly enough, when I think of a player who we've kind of used in similar situations – it's kind of early season 2021 Caleb Williams, uh, how Ooh. Lincoln would kind of put him out for special situations, uh, kind of in a it, one of it, kind of as a running type of QB, but also with a passing threat. I think we could see Jackson Arnold coming out and playing in that manner. Um, he is a player who has the talent, who has the skill where you put if you put him out there. That's great. I, I'm, I'm for it. If you're talented, let him run. Um I will say he does he does seem to know his place on the offense this year. He says, "This is not my time. It's Dylan's year. I'm here to mm-hmm. learn. Just soak it up and be better for next year. Get ready for it." Um, but if we see little Jackson Arnold cameos, I'm here for it. Yeah, I was going to make a, a Jalen Hurts comparison, not this year, but I think there's potential to develop into not a one for one, but sort of that style of quarterback as, as he continues to develop. I do want to say, and again, this is getting extremely, extremely nitpicky, but he did have one, um, I thought it was a fairly egregious incompletion that was on a free play, so it ended up coming back. But it was, uh, we gave him a deep shot one time early on into him coming on the field, uh, and that was a a questionable throw, um, not under pressure and anything else. So that that was kind of what I was reading. General Booty's free play that he got. (laughs) No, no, and we'll get into that. But that's what I was getting at. Because again, well, you look at these, I because I have a funny note on on that, but we will get into these. um, That's what I was getting at, is is what I was saying. When I said it it seemed like he wasn't quite ready, and it did seem like there was a a bit of a, a delay he was just a slightly slow one you could thing tie no, no, like, no, he but went like perfect watching... from the field like i, I don't know what no but say i'm, I'm saying watching field performance means that he's not ready maybe he's no, no, no. off the field yeah maybe like the situation he's in but like what come from his play makes you say that he's not ready well that's what i was getting into right is it so there was that but it seemed like everything was just slightly slower than dylan gabriel was doing it and that's what i'm thinking of 
when I'm thinking of a QB1. It's not about, you know, just throw power and accuracy. It's about running that offense. And it felt like to me watching it on TV, it was just he was just slightly slower in going through everything. And it did feel like he had a bit of a watered down playbook to begin with. You know, maybe that was game time as well to some extent. But it did seem like there were a little bit of training wheels on and there was a, just a little bit of a slower pace, which is good. That's, you know, we want to ease him into the waters here. But it, it was not the same level of quarterback play, I would argue, that Dylan Gabriel was doing. Well, of course. I, I, yeah, I think I, that's I, understood. Yeah, and obviously his competition is going up against his was weak. It was weak to the point that apparently he actually talked to Levy and told him to run some plays, like some running plays for him so he could get roughed up because he wants to get him hit. And he wanted to kind of feel a little bit of like what it's like to play I a college football game. Please. I, I know. <laughs> I just want to feel something. So I, I love it. But um, I will say a unit that has absolutely aided uh, and helped this uh, quarterbacking room. Really, really interesting uh, performance from uh, from the wide receiver core. I got to say, uh, we weren't sure what to expect going into it. A lot of guys caught a lot of passes, spread it out pretty equally. Saw really good games out of Nick Anderson, Andrew Anthony, Drake Stoops, uh, Jaquez Petaway. And it's just really... To me, it was impressive at, at how they spread it out. You know, the question is, who's, wi who's wide receiver one? Who's going to step up? And it seemed to be a pretty, you know, by committee situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I had the, we had this conversation. I kind of talked about my TikToks um, in the preseason. Who's like the WR1? I think it's obvious who the WR1 is, and it's Drake Stoops. And I understand he went down with a shoulder injury, but that dude was going to, like he was saying on the sideline, he was going to go for 200 yards if he didn't get that injury. Like, he wanted to go back in. And yeah, he's got an AC injury. It's if it's a grade one, which it probably is, um, it'll be a kind of pain management thing to where they could hold him out next week or he could play through it. Um, it's really kind of person by person situation. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he played. Um, that's kind of just my opinion on that. But I, I think it's obviously Drake Stoops is the number one target for him. You could see it early in the game. Dylan Gabriel was feeding Drake over and over and over. So, like, whenever you get a full game from Dylan Gabriel and Drake Stoops, both 100% healthy, and they're playing the whole game not versus Arkansas State, I think it'll be very clear that Drake Stoops, not this Jalil Farouk that we didn't really see too much of in this game, is WR1, and I don't even think it's a conversation. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, notably, we this graphic down here, we weren't even able to include everyone that was getting uh, multiple receptions. Um, so... It's our, our receiving room. I think what we saw in this one, and again, Arkansas State will stop throwing that caveat on there, I suppose. But I liked what I saw in terms of spreading out to a lot of different people. It really felt like, again, not to reinforce old takes, but this game almost more of a practice situation of an easing into the water situation. And we're not going out there necessarily even to prove or cement someone is one, someone is two, someone is three it really seemed like it was about going out there, just giving everyone a chance to get some looks in so that when we develop and once we get into conference play and things that really, really matter, although losing to Arkansas State really would have mattered. Um, but we really had that practice mentality, it seemed like, whether it was intentional or not, I believe it was pretty intentional. And I really liked what I saw from a lot of these receivers. Yeah, and I, I feel like, kind of feeding into that kind of practice mentality. It looked like overall things are pretty vanilla across the board, which is good. 
you know, you don't want to, you don't want to tip your hand uh, week one against Arkansas state. And if you can put up a great performance, regardless, there you go. Uh, I like that. We saw uh, like a bunch of guys give a lot of different type of looks. Um, I thought Andrew Anthony was absolutely electric in the moments we saw Mm -hmm. him. We anticipated him being like a, uh, I believe the phrase that everybody uses, but it's correct. uh, Take the top off type of wide receiver who can actually absolutely be a a, a total burner um look he's wearing that number five well remind give me shades of hollywood there a little bit um and then you have guys like Jaden gibson who that is that guy big body receiver had a lot of pretty solid plays very excited about him as well um and people in the comments already already talking about how i left out our guy gavin freeman g freaky we'll get to him in a moment uh but I feel like, and Nick Anderson, of course, excellent game as well. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of guys did a lot of different things, and it seems like a very versatile, deep wide receiver room. I was very thrilled with it. Yeah, I think really what it comes down to is whenever we get out of this kind of circumstance where we can rotate as many wide receivers as we want, what is going to be our, say, four deep at the outside room? Because we already know our really are two deep on the inside. And I'm sure Jaquez Petaway will also get some work kind of scattered in there as well. So I think it's obvious, you know, Jalil Farouk still got so much talent that he's going to be on the outside, but the way Nick Anderson just looked, I understand just two catches, but like that makes me think that he'll be right behind um, Jalil Farouk and with Andrew Anthony on the other side, obviously at WR two, like Nick Anderson is fast. He looks noticeably long. Like he looks the part to be a really good wide receiver. And I understand people are going to compare him the six foot four and the six foot five between Jaden Gibson, Jaden Gibson. I have to give him huge props, making really hard catches because his hands were the thing that's gotten his head these past couple of years or this past year, you know, so give it up for him. But, you know, I'm really excited to see what Nick Anderson can do if he stays healthy throughout the season. Yeah, I yep. mean, absolutely. Yeah, health with Anderson. That unfortunately is the case with him as it was uh, his brother uh, a couple years ago. But, you know, as we know with, with you know, the Anderson brothers, you know, if they're healthy, they're lethal. Yeah, one more note on, on sort of receiving as we move into sort of uh, everyone's getting upset. We're not mentioning a certain receiver. Two looks to tight ends. Um Cade McIntyre and then Blake Smith both got a reception each, both over 25 yards, 28 and 26. I believe uh, Blake Smith with a 28. I felt like there was something more there that we weren't tipping our hand to. I'm a big fan of the way that tight end play is going in college football, especially right now. I mean, you know, they unfortunately, not for my take, but unfortunately for some TCU losing this weekend to Colorado but I felt like TCU's tight end was going to be dangerous. And I'm seeing that a lot in college football right now. Those, those big tight ends that can really make a difference. I felt like just looking at reading into the tea leaves on some stat lines here, only two looks ever to a tight end in, in a passing situation, both 25 plus yard plays. Blake Smith lowered his shoulder, got some extra yards, but I feel like there could be some more stuff in the playbook, especially when it comes to receiving, like we've been alluding to that we did not tip our hand in when we're blowing Arkansas state out 73 to nothing, but might make the difference against a Texas or something like that. So I'm excited to see as this, this receiver room lumping the tight ends and continues to develop because I feel like there's a lot more tricks up our sleeves in this room. 
Yeah, I know that you've been really optimistic about this tight end room, but it just seems like I I just don't share that. And I think this kind of just shows you more that maybe our receiving part of the tight end room just isn't quite it. Austin Stogner isn't really the guy that we've pegged him to be whenever he was an incoming true freshman, you know, with the obviously wonderful wide receiver squad that he came in with as well with Spencer Rattler. Um I, I just Blake Smith, you know, having the big play at tight end, he's going to be a blocking tight end and he calls himself a blocking tight end. I just really think that the slot wide receiver is going to be kind of like our middle of the field tight end room set. And we're not going to get big tight end wide receiver, I mean, um, tight end receiving yard lines this season. I, I just really don't think so. That, I just don't think that's the case with this roster. Yeah, that's exactly what I want Texas to think while they're watching tape as well. <laughs> well, I, I mean, Austin Stogner is going to get touchdowns. You know, Blake yeah. Smith's going to get some touchdowns. I just don't think that, you know, what we know from OU's past, you know, let's just talk recent. It's not going to be as good as Braden Willis, you know, and Braden Willis is not like one of the best tight ends we've ever had, but, you know, he's making an NFL roster right now. Our tight end room is not going to have five catch 60 yard games. They're going to be two catch 21 yards and then touchdown every other game, maybe. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where I think the tight ends, you know, it's if we have production out of them, you know, from a receiving standpoint, it would be it's like finding a couple fries at the bottom of the bag. You didn't think it would be there, but you're really happy it's there and it kind of made your day. Uh, but overall, you know, still, and they're still good fries. fries. The Great fries, arguably the best fries because they're unexpected. Uh, yeah. But like the and, quality of the fry itself, it's not like they're soggy back, bottom of the bag fries. And you're like, Oh man, I'm hungry. I would like to have these fries. But I'm going to eat them anyways. And they're like, they're still the same fries. Like they're still skilled, but it's just like, they're not going to be a big a part because they're not in the fry and they might've been forgotten. Sometimes you might have thrown away your bag. People who do that are ridiculous, but you might have thrown away the bag and missed the fries. Yeah, I'm not going to yeah. lie. When, when Blake Smith did catch that, though, I, I did yell club hand. I was pretty excited <laughs> about that. Like nobody in my section uh, probably understood that reference, but I was like, I was I was very happy for Ty for his boy club hand. Our, our, our guy catching, getting a big catch there. So I was, I was pretty pumped for that. Yeah, to, to be clear, I wasn't saying we have, you know, Mark Andrews and Jermaine Gresham on this squad. I just, no. I think that there's that ability to have that card up your sleeve. Like y'all said, yeah, probably not going to be a very regular thing. Um, and maybe I am tweaking my take here a little bit because I've been roasted for it. But I think it's just a tool to have in there. And if you can be <laughs> sneaky with it, yeah, right. It's like, it's the opposite of this silly like end around thing that we tried to run like 17 times this weekend for some reason, because it worked one time and it worked like one time last season. And for some reason, Venables is obsessed with this. Like I, everyone in the world knows if we're bringing a receiver in motion, it's going to be that weird end around thing and it doesn't work. That's fair. Um, I'm never, a, I'm not a fan of the end around. It's always, yeah, I don't know. They give, they give me the ick. Um, but we, we talked about ties guys a little bit. Let's talk about, Let's talk a little bit more about, um, you know, someone who I thought did. We, we, we've been talking about this guy for years. Running back. Actually, not Gavin Freeman. I meant to pivot to the running back room. And that is why you. <laughs> that's why you label your graphics, folks. There he goes. Uh, running backs. Uh, Marcus Major got the first snot, uh, snap, got the start for OU. Uh, was not the leader in production, but uh, there's the answer. I guess it's going to be Major but also 
great performances from Javante Barnes and Tawee uh, Walker as well. So much like we kind of anticipated running back room a bit by committee here. Yeah. Was it really impressive though, to be honest? Like this was, I think, really bland. I, I yes. got some people texting me right now wanting us to talk about French fries some more. I wish there was a little <laughs> bit more salt on this running back room. <laughs> but no, enough with the French fries. Here's the thing. I, I don't know how much of it was the scheme of what we called and how the scheme uh, the Arkansas State's defense was playing against us. I just didn't see a lot of like, you know, big gaps and like big plays. And I understand, you know, Javante Barnes, Tawi Walker, and Marcus Major are not those type of guys. We didn't see Gavin Sachuk, who would be our big play running back. Um, but I would at least hope to just see longer runs. I understand they got the nickel and dimes that gets you the first downs, but with a team like Arkansas State, like who's going to be that guy who's going to break open the defense and completely change the momentum of the game in the future um, for us at the running back position? And Marcus Major, we know what we're getting from him. Tolly Walker is a guy that's going to get a couple extra yards, but he's not the guy who's going to take a couple cuts and go 20 yards. I really hope it's Javante Barnes, but it seems like he's still working a lot on his kind of processing and getting to the right gap. Yeah, I agree with you, Jameson. I, I felt like maybe there was something to be desired from this running back room that we just didn't see. I you know, maybe it was that that big flashy play. I mean, we had big flashy offensive plays. We had a big flashy special teams play. Bobby tipped his hand as to, I guess, what we're about to talk about next. But yeah, I felt like this running back room, it, it almost seemed like it was, it, I think part of it was scheme. You know, we weren't running with our running backs, a lot of plays that were really designed to be big breakouts. But against an opponent like Arkansas State, especially with the number of carries that we had, you would expect that at least one of them is, you know, a big 70 yard touchdown or something like that just didn't come up. So maybe some of that's chance, but I, I do feel like this running back room is an ongoing question mark. This is not to denigrate the hard work that all these guys put in this weekend. I mean, there's again, not a whole lot to nitpick in this performance, but I think if you try to read into the tea leaves, it did feel like we at some points kind of struggled to establish a serious threat from the run, from the run. Like you pointed out, Jameson, we're able to nickel and dime, get those first downs in short yardage and kind of power around. But again, how much is that the, the line and how much is that your running back situations when you're not creating those big, deep, they could break away at any moment and get you running back situations. Yeah. And I, I think, if we had, if we wanted to talk about something on the offense that wasn't flashy, wasn't major, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> it, 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 you're right. It is a running back room. It was very workmanlike, very solid. It wasn't, wasn't flashy. Wasn't anything to rave about. It was just standard meat and potatoes performance. Um, I don't know how much we can really fault them for it. Offensively. Obviously it didn't hurt us. We scored 73 points, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, if you're looking for star performances, the running back room is not one to find it. Uh, but at the same time, I don't exactly feel like we saw anything bad uh, out of any of these backs. No, no. And I, I like, that's what I kind of said at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's not too much bad to say. Obviously, there's some things I could really try to find. And like, oh, I wish there was a bigger play. Oh, we still scored 73 points, and they're you know pushing it into the end zone. If our passing game can get there and they can like slowly tick away, um, you know, the defense and get us to the red zone and finish drives, that's all you can ask for. You know, in the grand scheme of things, 
you know, scoring slower is better than scoring faster. You know, I mean, if you're like, obviously not down by like 21 points, but like, you know, if you're at the beginning of the game, you'd rather have a long drive. So having guys like this in this running back room is a positive. So obviously I'm trying to find some optimism here. Um, but I think coming down to SMU, that's probably my biggest thing that I'm watching for. Obviously, we do a preview of SMU, which will be very, very brief at the end of this podcast. But my biggest thing I'm looking for for next week is um, which one of these running backs can stand out? Because all three of those top three guys, none of them stood out from the from the pack for me. I think they're all equal. I have yeah. a, a quick note. I, me, number one Marcus Major defender. Are we crediting him with a touchdown that he didn't have? According to this graphic, oh, maybe Did I got get a, at one touchdown. Talwi at two. Ooh, yeah. No, I slipped. Yep. I'm still working on it. Yeah, folks. so it's like yeah, Tom I do, was I, trying to get on this. No, I, I do <laughs> want to say though. I do want to say because I, I want to wrap around and end on a positive on the running back room. The running back room, you know, outside of six of our touchdowns on the ground. Four of those coming from the running back room. Each quarterback had one. We, we touched on – well, each major quarterback had one. We touched on that. But three different running backs scoring touchdowns. I mean, that's – again, we can sit here and say, oh, we didn't see a big thing. Three different RBs scoring a touchdown is a good thing no matter who you're playing. And then accounting for, you know, four of our, our touchdowns is also a very good thing. There's, again, not a whole lot you can fault. We are being a little nitpicky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The TDs, by the way, that's that's why you don't copy and paste, folks. Uh, that's how, that's how you make typos. Um, but yeah, it's a little nitpicky, and I, I will say we don't need to do a full segment on the offensive line. Uh, obviously, Arkansas State was overpowered there. That is something where the line should look good. So no kudos to can, them. Can I just they, say one thing about the offensive Jameson. line, though? I loved seeing Walter Rouse get out in space. That man just looked like an absolute beast. I mean, we were hearing it in the preseason. He is by far our best offensive lineman. Man, I am so glad that we were able to get him over Nebraska. Just imagine the scenario of we don't have him and we were starting Caden Green, a true freshman at left tackle. Obviously, you know, oh, he's still a very good talent, but Walter Rouse is going to put this team to the next level, that left tackle position. We are so thankful to have him. And honestly, Man, it's just so fun to watch him play. Yeah, Rouse is going to be a fan favorite, not just for his play, because he had that experience that seasoned, just he had that vibe to him that was great. But also, he seems like a really likable guy. Uh, just a couple hours ago, uh, media availability uh, ended with him, and he said that, uh, actually told the media, hey, you can talk to me anytime about either superheroes, uh, Legos, and uh, Peach He's Cobbler. a big nerd. He's a big nerd, and I love it. I love a big nerd. So good to see it and again he's a stanford grad so of course yeah why why wouldn't he be i think he's uh, also pre-med as well so like that shows like he's pretty pretty smart yeah there you go yeah <laughs> love to see it um but yeah no the o-line i thought really good performance ralph's that guy's gonna be a star i'm very very excited to see him play more um tie game, game ball game ball for for offense let's do game balls and and, and it, because you know i i feel like Look, everyone, we're leading you on. We're going to talk about G Freaky eventually. We're going to talk about Gavin Freeman, but let's be real. His big play happened on special teams, and we'll get to that uh, in a moment. So let's go ahead and do game balls here, guys. Um, and Ty, I'll let you kick this one off. Uh, Drake who's your game ball? Even I think that's honestly a really, I, know, I, I think that's actually extremely fair from Ty. 
No, I, I so short explanation. One, I think I would argue it goes to the receiving room as a whole. So I'm going to give it to RB one first <laughs> touchdown of the year. WR one first touchdown of the year. You know, Stoops is going to be that guy when he recovers, gets back into the game in full swing. I I like Drake Stoops as WR one. I mean, he he won the game for us. Like the the game was over when he was out. So yeah, I give it to Drake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I completely agree with you on that one. As but just to be a little bit different, I want to give the game ball not to someone who I think like had the best game, but the guy who showed me the most and like made me like really change my opinion a little bit on him. And I think it's Jaden Gibson for me because I feel like my stock was really down on him. I was worried about him and his confidence and having that kind of acrobatic tip ball catch in the corner of the end zone, having two big catches on the day, I think is so big for his confidence. Now, do I think he's going to get as much play time as we really would hope for as a fan base this season? No, but I think having a kind of game like that is so, so important that that deserves my game ball. Yeah, no. And I think, I think to me, like if we want to talk about a guy that I came away with like, oh, okay, let's go. This guy took a leap. Yeah, he's that. If I would if I had to go with a game ball though, and it's it's tricky. Uh is it too lame to go with Dylan Gabriel? No. Because I think overall he just he had the most complete game. He he looked that was ar- arguably one of the most complete games we've seen him play, just from a steady, like a steady hand. He looked a lot better. And he just he just tied everything together. And in, in a game like he left no doubt to me that like in that game, OK, we're going to be OK. Things are going to be a little bit better. Obviously, let's see it against a uh, a much saltier uh, uh, SMU defense that, you know, held Louisiana Tech to zero points and uh, shut him out in the first half uh, on Saturday. But I don't know. I, I felt I. I felt very good about DG after this game. So I'll, I'll give him my game ball, but I mean, plenty of, plenty of uh, worthy, worthy candidates, um, including Walter Rouse, who I thought was also great. Like they're, they're just, oh, you'd be hard to not find somebody or you'd be hard to find somebody who wasn't worthy of that. Uh, everyone I thought played really, 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 really well. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, Jameson, D- what, what do we think? Defense next. Uh, let's let's always yes. end with the special team. So yeah. let's just move to the defense. And as you can tell, by if you're watching the graphic, it just says defense. Everybody was, I think, really, really good. There are moments, you know, where, you know, you had a couple of blown coverages here and there. But let's let's be real. Let's get right down to it. Only 48 rushing yards. Uh, the Red Wolves had zero appearances in the red zone. And while there was only one takeaway, the scheme felt like very, very vanilla, but it got the yeah. job done. What do you think? Yeah, it was absolutely vanilla. That's that's the biggest takeaway. But there's some things that I liked whenever I was just looking at face value, not looking at box scores, because this box score from the defense isn't going to tell you anything. Yeah, you can talk about, oh, can I Walker? You know, got that fumble recovery, and that was a really good play. And obviously he had a great game. Um, but things that I liked. One, Reggie Pearson's late hit, kind of liked it. Like, this is not your bookie of old late hits where you're, like, screaming at the TV and you're like, this guy is such a bonehead. I can't stand him. I don't know why, but, like, this Reggie Pearson late hit, I was like, good, good, do it. I like this. I like this. And then the next play, legitimately the next play, 
He comes up and gets a tackle for a loss in the running back. And I was like, oh my God, I just love this guy. And he like, you know, the late hit was like not even too boneheaded. He just kind of ran in and just gave him the shoulder. Good for Reggie Pearson. Loved that set of two plays. I, I was honestly just like about to jump out of like my seat. I was so excited. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was going to do basically the same bit that Jameson did on that on that sequence there. Jameson, it sounds like you might be you might enjoy uh, Prime Ball. You should get on the Colorado train. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I the defense it, when you have a shutout, no matter who you are playing, you really can't pick that apart. Like this is, and to some extent, the offense putting up seventy three, but defensively it, shutouts are a big deal no matter who you are playing because there's always that garbage time like they're they're very i feel like they're even more rare now they're i know there's statistics out there but i feel like once we've moved away from the bcs computer i know we've talked about this in our text but you know there's not that incentive to run up the score as much on cupcakes with this new you know selection program that goes into everything because you have that subjective like oh it was a week one, whatever game, you don't have to play the computer algorithm where you have to smoke these teams like you used to have to do. And that's what we did. And defensively, I felt like we talked about in our pregame pod, we didn't want to see any silly mistakes. Our personal fouls necessarily that silly. I feel like the ones in this game weren't. I don't really know how to quantify that. But like Jameson said, we had some personal fouls in this one. I didn't really feel like they were that egregious. I felt like you know, it was kind of the Arkansas State people were getting pretty chippy at one point. The players were. It's the first game of the season. You know, you're feeling out. There's stuff that flies under certain officiating crews that doesn't. I really feel like there there wasn't anything super, super egregious. Hitting someone out of bounds, you know, whether it's bang, bang or not, you have to clean that up because that matters in bigger games. But, yeah, I really liked what I saw from this defense. Y'all tossed around the word vanilla. I like that it was vanilla. I want a defense that just executes fundamentals yeah i think to me and i I don't want to be the third person to talk about this late hit thing but it embodied (laughs) everything but it embodied absolutely everything that i loved seeing from this defense it was aggressive it was hard hitting it was decisive it looked day and night from what we saw last year um and yeah it was arkansas state whatever blah 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 we've said that a billion times the mentality is so, so different. Um, the physicality is different. And it was just, it was so exciting. Uh, be, look, you, you can iron out, you know, you can iron out those mistakes, you know, through practice, through tape. You need live ball to really properly, you know, you know, iron out those kinks. But what you can't replace, what you can't bring is that physicality, that energy, that passion that we have not seen in so long because we've been dealing with people who have been, you know, brutalized by Alex Grinch and Speed D and, you know, just it's been bad. And Mm -hmm. seeing the new blood get in there, seeing new guys who just go for it, it it was so encouraging to see. And I, I think... Look, this is going to be a hard one to figure out a game ball for because I think everyone, you know, overall played just just played their ass off. Yeah, I had to think about it ahead of time to really make sure I had my game ball right on the defense. But I feel like if people are trying to find negatives of this, once again, we, you look at the box score and you're like, hmm, let's just think of like 
what is the negative of this defense as you're kind of contemplating on this Monday? And it's like, oh, I only see one sack, and it was like near the end of the game. Like, like I really don't like that. Arkansas State did not give us any opportunity to get a pass rush. So if you're going to make an opinion on this pass rush, which obviously we have open scars because last season we did not have a good pass rush. And putting in R. Mason Thomas, a true freshman, who was hobbled with a hamstring injury the whole year because we're out of desperation, we didn't have any kind of speed on the outside. Um, that's not our same problem anymore. Like, Trace Ford looked good. Whenever he had the opportunity to pass, um, pass rush, like, he looked good. P.J. Adebowari looked good. Like, he looked like a different kind of guy. But you don't see that on the box score because Arkansas State just didn't drop back that much and actually, like, make a longer play in terms of passing the ball. It was very, you know, one read, three-step drops. SMU, (laughs) that is not going to happen. So make your opinion of this pass rush after this SMU game. Yeah, I mean, full full pass pro, quick passes, exactly. Ty? Mm -hmm. Here is something to potentially nitpick on the box score thing specifically. I think that's a perfect lead-in for this. Again, their pass plays, like Jameson just touched on, were not conducive to us really getting rushes and sacks. Both teams had six tackles for loss, which I think if you're really, really trying to nitpick something, could be a cause for concern. Obviously, you know, we had 50 rush attempts, so six tackles for loss on on 50 rush attempts, and then you also have to account for some of those, um, you know, other stuff that goes into that. But I feel like maybe we should have had a little bit more than six tackles for loss just with the scheme that, that Arkansas State had. Was that our defensive scheme, potentially? I think did play a part in that. And then you do have to remember that there were six points that maybe Arkansas State left on the table. They had a missed 43-yard field goal, a missed 44-yard field goal. So, I mean, those are not super, super chip shots, but that's usually a a pretty high percentage that you make those at the college level. Obviously, Arkansas State did not. Arkansas State also had some silly penalties when they were on offense. So we could be realistically looking at this game as not necessarily a shutout. Uh, well, that's that's such a silly thing to say. Uh, some you know some things could have gone another way. This could have been seventy three to six. You know, butterfly effect. Does it change our score? Does it not? But if you really really dig into the weeds, you can find stuff. But again, I think you do have to account for our game plan defensively that we brought into this. We weren't really trying to blitz all the time and and stop a ton of stuff. We were just trying to execute fundamentally, I felt like, game plan-wise. So I don't like to dig into that stuff too deeply like Jameson kind of touched on. And it's weirdly enough more impressive that they just kind of straight up beat them. It's not like a big turnover fest. They just kind of lined up and and stopped them. You know, it it wasn't flashy. It wasn't like... It's wild, you know, speed D, eight turnovers, blah, blah, blah. It was just just straight up hard-nosed defense. And I think that's that's pretty impressive and fun. But mm-hmm. um, Well, yeah, and, in, and yeah. to be fair, like you kind of touched on, this is a completely yeah. random, you know, never even happens. But if your athletes are that much better, you know, if you had an NFL team play a high school team, the NFL team could just put a couple linebackers on spy and then just run man coverage, and they would have a shutout, even with like zero sacks and everything yeah. else. Because you're just sitting back there, no one can do anything against you. If you just execute fundamentally, is that what happened in this game? I'm not going to say, but yeah. I mean, look, they were two and 12 on third down. Um, that, 
again, Arkansas State, not very, not not very mm-hmm. good. Pretty dominant performance from OU, to say the least. Uh, do we want to move to game balls? Just kind of pivot out of defense. Yeah. What do we think? Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and start on this one. Uh, my game ball is for a team that put up, you know, only gave up zero points. Only gave up zero points. It's a weird way to say it, but whatever. They gave up zero points. So. Obviously, we didn't talk about if you just look at the box score, I can't really find like a superstar stud of this. So give the game ball to the leader who led this defense, who's obviously the guy who gets people in the right position and is the vocal leader of this team. It's Danny Stutzman. You know, Danny Stutzman played a sound game. He's in the right spot. I didn't see anything get blown from him, which seems like is a thing that he had done in the past. Um, He led this team, so he deserves the game ball. Yeah, it's lame, but I'm with you um that that was a team performance and you know what i'm also gonna give him the the game ball for walking into the to the stadium wearing brian bosworth uh you know style not only style shades but autographed bosworth shades that said brian bosworth and then the boss on one side signed right on the glasses uh which that's that is an awesome move i respect it and if you did something like that you got to back it up and even though I'm going to say it again, even though it was Arkansas State, he did well. Yeah, I, I've got to agree. I'll, I'll say the entire secondary because I really liked what I saw. Again, Arkansas State continue to just smack that dead horse. But I liked what I was seeing from the entire secondary in terms of what I think we will see for the rest of the year. And that's the ultimate politician answer to that. But I, I had to change it up. I like it. I appreciate you changing it up because I, I, I was pretty, I, I was pretty stuck with Stutzman. I, I thought he had a, it, it is hard to find uh, someone who, who is absolutely crazy, but um, let's move on to special teams. And look, we're not here to talk about, about our guy Schmidt. Josh Blaster won the job at punter. That's what we're One all punt. wanting to talk about. One punt, 50 yards. Shout out to Josh Plaster. Uh, we weren't, we weren't seeing Josh yeah, Plaster in the preseason, though. Yeah, no, it's uh, anyways, there you go. You got you got your guy, Josh Plaster. We're here to talk about G Freaky. Finally, Gavin Freeman against Arkansas State, receiving wise, you know, doesn't jump off the page. You know, four receptions, 19 yards, one of them was for a touchdown. We're here to talk about the 82 yard punt return for a touchdown. Um, absolutely astonishing stuff. We've heard a lot about what Gavin Freeman who we have just found out his uh, nickname is G freaky, which I love. Marvin Mims said that obviously the freaky part is probably what you guys are insinuating uh, (laughs) on Twitter in his tweet. There's obviously something freaky that Gavin did and that the football team has been making fun of him for. And that makes his nickname even better. Yeah. It's probably, probably not football related folks. I'm sorry (laughs) to inform. I'm I'm sorry to inform all you sooner grandmas out there. It's just not, not to, to do with the football. No, soon, sooner grandmas are all about that G freaky. You know oh, what that no. is. Yeah. <laughs> and just just remember, right? Not to dive too deep down this rabbit hole, but Caleb Williams, we all know those allegations. Never had a nickname oh, like yeah. that. So never even had a nickname oh. like that. So what is Gavin Freeman up to? That is the big oh. point. You don't want to answer that question mark. That's a door you do not open. Well, I, I I think we could say without a doubt, Gavin Freeman started the season off on the right foot. Oh. So, anyways, yeah, we're just uh, hitting on the Caleb Williams Ryan. loves that. 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway, oh my trap house movement in the comments is killing me. Referring to them as silvery, they're uh, sultry silver suitors. I love it. <laughs> um, anyways, Jameson, uh, we've been wondering who is going to be the punt returner, and uh, we have our answer without a doubt. Yeah. It's Gavin Freeman. What a, mm-hmm. what what a return. He fits every single thing you want from a punt returner. He's electric and he's sure-handed. And it just from what OU's done in the past, you put back your big-time playmakers in the punt. You know, we'd seen Marvin Mims back there. Um, Gavin Freeman is going to be so much fun to watch this year. Already a punt return touchdown. I guarantee you he's going to have another return touchdown this year. He's just too electric with the ball in his hands that he's going to make plays. Yeah. I, I will say there is a punt returner, at least when I think about OU, has traditionally been a proving ground for a future WR1. I mean, Drake Soups was at punt return. CD Lamb was a punt returner for a little bit. Um, you know, just keep it recent. I'll stop the, the rabbit hole. Of was it Shep back there too? Yep. Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably when he Jaylen started Saunders. out. So, I mean, yeah, and that's not necessarily unique to OU. I mean, a lot of schools do that because, again, like Jameson touched on, you want sure-handed and you want someone that has that speed and that agility to break out when things happen. But, again, there is a third thing that you want from your punt returners, and Gavin Freeman has it. C.D. Lamb stopped having it. Drake Stoops stopped having it. Jalen Saunders stopped having it. You do have to have your punt return to be someone that is more or less expendable to your game plan because it's just such a high risk of injury uh, thing to happen. So Gavin Freeman perfectly fitting that role this season. Not that he is expendable. I think he's a very valuable uh, you know, person on this offense, but I do not expect to see like Stoops back there returning a punt anytime soon, for example. I think Gavin Freeman, perfect special teams. I agree. I think he'll have another one this year. Yeah, it'll this- be him and LV back there. Yeah, and he has this craftiness where, you know, he sees the lanes. He has he has a vision that I I loved. I it was one of those where I mean, we've all seen those type of returns. I, I feel like DeMarco Murray uh will go way, way back, Jameson, uh your guy Reggie Smith. Yep, yep. You know, mm-hmm. where, where where you're like, "Oh wait, is there something here?" And then it goes from like this is a good return to bang, he's taking this back. Freeman has that like kind of mm-hmm. vibe to me, and I, I I absolutely loved it. Um, it was it was it was awesome, and really set the tone for the game being like, oh, it's going to be this type of ball game, which I just absolutely loved it. Um, anyways, I I think that's all we have to say about the game performance itself. Um, he gets else? the overall game ball for the whole game. Yeah. You know that that I think that's understood. Uh, Gavin Freeman. We can't really talk about offense and defense game ball for him, but for just overall, it's there's no conversation. He was the biggest piece of why we won this game and why Sooner fans are excited. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I think I think Gavin Freeman. A lot of people have been making the he's the next Drake Stoops analogy. I think he's the next Joaquin Iglesias. Similar build, six foot, two ten ish. Definitely, I think he's Gavin Freeman, six foot. No oh, way. you know, he's easy six foot two ten. Don't look it up. Five eight. <laughs> uh, you had me okay. like thinking for a half second. I guess no, he's like he's like five eight one sixty. No <laughs> chance. Oh man. Iglesias, though, his name his name came up when we were talking returns. That's yeah. hilarious. That's hilarious. So I, I will say everything on field went great. 
However, we got to talk. We got to talk about it because people have been complaining for week or for, for years and years about the tailgating on Lindsay Street. They finally open it up. And what happens, guys? Nothing. One tent. What in the world happened? <laughs> I like the uh, interview from the people. They're like, yeah, I just kind of come over here. And I was like really surprised there was no one. And they're like completely just floored. But here's the deal. Like I tied or you're not completely surprised because I'm not surprised no. either. No. Sorry, my dog started. Here's here's the thing, right? <laughs> we entered we entered a, a tailgating financial crisis. We're going to use an economic analogy here, right? We entered what they presumed was some sort of tailgating crisis. And OU's solution, instead of just trying to fix, I don't even think there were necessarily even issues with the tailgating. I know a lot of people are complaining about Lindsay. But instead of just fixing the core issues, they went with, let's just print more tailgating space. What can it like? There's no, there aren't any more tailgaters. There maybe were even less tailgaters this year than some, or this game than some games. They made more space, and then all of a sudden, it just kind of made every other like we just watered it down, we diluted it. If you're gonna add the space, because there wasn't like a waiting list to get a tailgate put up, you know, like there was ample space already for the demand. We can't just create more space without you know, adjusting the ratio somewhere else and expect everything to be completely full. I'm not surprised. I think it should be consolidated. Could be on Lindsay, could be somewhere else, but it, it like you can't just continue to add spaces and then be shocked when they don't fill up. Well, and I think the biggest problem with Lindsay is that space was always for the fraternities. It felt like they, the fraternities added a lot of energy and a lot of, a lot of the boost of what that was. And they've all moved off and done their own thing. The the oldest people, you know, there were not around for, for Lindsay Street tailgating, even if they went out there. So, you know, why why would they care about that? They, I, I think that's a big part of it. Uh, no parking anymore. The parking lot has been replaced with a fake uh, Hogwarts, as we all know. <laughs> uh, so really difficult there. They couldn't set up until 7 a.m., uh, which is kind of wild for a 11 a.m. kickoff. It just didn't make sense. The the policy needs to shift. Seven a.m. Uh, I didn't even know that yeah. detail. That's absolutely the reason for it. Like it's a big part of it. It's 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 not it's not a us problem. It's an Oklahoma problem right now. Yeah, yeah. Not only that, but like that's not that wasn't the case for some spots. Like you know, Brook Street, for example, was great. You know, it's fine. <laughs> they had their own policy issues that I will do not need to be complained about because that would be old man yelling at cloud. Uh, they completely bought, they, they, they've botched several tailgating things. That's I'm all not going to say anything, but I'm going to continue to talk about it. I didn't I, look, I could go into the specifics, Jameson specifically about, I'm not going to do it. You almost caught me there. Uh, <laughs> Damn it. That's exactly but it's a process. It's a process. They need to work about work on it. I've already written very strongly in my, uh, uh, my game day experience uh, flyer that they got, they texted me. <laughs> so the university knows it's, it's I, I wrote them four flies. paragraphs, four <laughs> paragraphs of why, why we should be allowed to, we should be allowed to reserve space at, you know, 8am and not anyways, that's beside the point. Tailgating, yeah, yeah. figure it out. Uh, I think anyway. the 5pm will be better, right? Like you, there's going to be an improvement. Yeah. Surely, surely. Yeah, surely. Yeah. What, what were you going to say? Any, anyone watching or listening, please feel free to let us know. We, we love nothing more 
than talking about what should and shouldn't be done for tailgating. So please like give us some new takes here. If, if you all have takes, let us know. Here's my one that I've never heard this one announced before. I think you solve Lindsay. You make it a super electric, super neat, super unique atmosphere by just having a mix of a lottery and then just a very high like purchase reserve a space and you make it for just a handful of RVs. I'm just off the top of my head. I think you oh, could great. fit like a couple, but so think of like the street, right? Back to back, just <laughs> RVs down it. And then they build out their tailgates from there. I think it'd be super, you could fit Man. probably like 20, 20, 30 RVs around there. Make a cool little, you know, mini RV atmosphere instead of down there. At, uh, <laughs> we would be the laughing stock oh of college football. No, because the, 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 the RV are. people how know how to there? tailgate. The You're RV damn people right know they do, but still, we get made fun of. Come to our tailgating scene. We're moving to because the we SEC have RVs. We're going we're, we're to get our RVs. We're going to hook them up to the sewage lines, and it's going to be a good time. Look, some of, there's some RVs of the at every tailgate. Every, Some of the every best tailgating spots have RVs. I, 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 but I'm but not, if it's not all like an RV, like freaking like line, you obviously need tents and like it's just yeah. not people just hanging out. No, in their RVs yeah, no, you would have time. tents. That's what I'm saying. Like, imagine the RV tailgates. You go select like the biggest ones. You say you can park your RV on Lindsay, and then you put up your tents and everything else under the trees and the grass. Okay, I see what you're saying. That's what I I'm got saying. you. That's what I'm. Or saying. they could demolish fake Hogwarts and put. The I'm RVs not saying just out. make it an RV parking lot. Yeah. I, I yes. I, build back Adams Tower because it was a huge mistake tearing that down and oh, go tear so down weird. Hogwarts. Dude, being back around there, it's so weird not seeing Adams. It doesn't even look like the same place anymore. Oh, um, so sad. It's one of those where it's like it's weird not seeing Adams Tower, but when you look at Walker Adams Mall, that's the weirdest because it doesn't it, even look like even the same place it. at all. They have a new name for it. It's just like what? Well, it's not even a mall anymore. It's just like a little sidewalk. It, it's they still it's a sad, sad state of affairs. It's, Are the swings it's gone? No swing. Swings oh, gone. That hurts. Swings that are hurts. gone. I, where? I almost said something, but I ain't going back to the old me. So let's move <laughs> on. And they built tornado shelters, which I think I is did BS. see that. Which is the buildings are already they're, tearing, they they're gonna tear the other tornado ones down. shelters. Anyways, let's move Next, on. Next, they're gonna make the kids only cross the crosswalks when the lights change instead of just darting in between traffic. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Those lights almost <laughs> Spencer Rattler almost got hit by a lime, <laughs> like because okay, of Spencer no Spencer Rattler on a lime almost got killed by an F one fifty one morning at like seven forty five, and yeah, it was just me, him, and the F one fifty driver. And I'm not gonna lie, I was not gonna say that I saw shit had he gotten hit. Get Caleb Williams. <laughs> if, hold on, now that's a rabbit hole. We're not going down. Anyways, let's move on to our what will surely be. An in-depth preview of next week's game. The Oklahoma Sooners host the SMU Mustangs, both one and zero. Uh, this is a rare. This is honestly a rare occasion. OU and OU and SMU have not played a lot of times. This is only the seventh time. Uh, I in, in my column referred to as half-assed uh, Winsipedia search. Uh, there have only been two really kind of notable games. Uh, the 1998 uh, Blue Bonnet Bowl. Uh, SMU barely beat us there. And uh, we played them in 1985 in December for some reason, uh, which was one of the last games before they got the death penalty. Um, 
Last time out for SMU, they beat Louisiana Tech 38-14. to That game was 31-0 at half, uh, and that offense put up 311 yards uh, just, in the, just in the first half. So this future ACC-SEC matchup yes. <laughs> uh, poses to be a bit more of a difficult challenge for the Sooners uh, than what we saw on Saturday. Yeah, here's the thing with this SMU team, and a lot of people have been talking about them this offseason as one of the better um, group of five teams. Just look at their roster and see how many familiar names are on there as an OU fan base. And a lot of the times with these group of five, maybe you might know one or two of these guys, but let me just tell you these names and let's see if you kind of like, you know, remember them. Obviously, people will know Preston Stone was like a near five-star quarterback commit going to SMU. You know, that was a big-time deal for them. But their running back, LJ Johnson, you know, 128 yards and a touchdown, nine yards per carry um, versus La Tech. Was a guy that o, like OU and Texas A&M was in that last group for Jalen Knighton, the real rooster that used to be an Oklahoma commit. That is their backup running back. Another guy that OU fans remember, he was in our class. Their number one wide receiver, Jordan Hudson, former Oklahoma commit. Like there is some really good skill players on this SMU team that kind of have these OU roots and these national roots that makes this game really fun to watch. In a way, it's a Savion Bird Bowl. I guess. Oh yeah. And I forgot Savion bird almost like went to SMU just in like, honestly, it would have it's worked out for him. Cause he's, you know, starting early within the system, but you know, like this offense is a lot of fun for SMU. Yeah. No, no doubt. The ponies are not one to be slept on. Um, I, I do got to ask a question very specific to you and you and I, mm. you know, what this the is first... very specific. I know what you're going to ask. It's very specific oh, to Blake as well. And and my answer will explain. Continue. I'm not, I, I'm interested to hear why you say that. But um, you know, one of the first times we podcasted together, we talked about college football traditions and I believe mm-hmm. mascots. And one of the mm-hmm. mascots we had to bring up was Peruna, the small pony oh, from yes. SMU. Uh, Peruna, are should we be concerned if it comes to Norman? Because as we know, Peruna, uh, this small pony has killed before, and uh, one can assume uh, will kill again. Oh no. Yes. That is true. A SMU's mascot has has blood on its hands. It's hooks. Or um I think it was self-defense, right? And update on on the, the Halloween monkey, you know, potentially later on this year. That's a deep reference. Was that was that or was that not self-defense in that, that monkey's case? We will see. But yeah, Karuna, this is not the question I thought about, you were gonna ask. No, no, no. Um, no Jameson, said he's ta- he's talking about uh, uh um Pole assassin and, and yeah, I know, assassin. I know. I said, is there an update on that? I haven't heard anything for a while. I don't know. I've, I've, one, one sec, does it go into the weeds and y'all talk about this? See if yeah, I can find J- anything about Jameson. We need a pole assassin update asap. So go yeah, into that okay. while we talk about SMU. Uh, anyways, Ty, what were you saying earlier? Uh, not the question I thought you were going to ask. So not yeah. applicable to Blake that I'm aware of, um, unless you know Blake is somehow involved in in the Peruna situation. But no, I don't think so. I think Boomer and Sooner. Right. It, the difference is, is, is Boomer and Sooner have never had to be in that situation. That's why they have. I think they're capable of it. I mean, certainly there was potentially an attempt a couple of years ago uh, when Boomer and Sooner decided to just go a little fast on a corner. Uh, was that someone whose name shall not be mentioned on the pod because we don't want to embarrass them? Was that their fault? Uh, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it, Peruna, dangerous mascot, has to be watched out for. This is not a Georgia Bulldog situation. You know, this isn't the, the the King of England where it's just a figurehead 
like Bevo, you know, with no real power. Pruna has power. Uh, he's a he's a brutal dictator. He has killed before, um, <laughs> and his his empire may be small, but they have a, a fair amount of money behind them, and he is dangerous. <laughs> I think that is fair. I, I can't find anything on Pole Assassin, by the way. It looks like the most recent article that was written on it was uh, seems like the uh, they're still together, uh, Jeff Banks and Pole Assassin. So uh, long live them and continue on this season. <laughs> I have nothing else to say. We will wait for if there's any kind of. I, I feel like there's no court ruling at this point. I I think obviously it's gotten thrown out. So I think good Texas. I think Texas threw the bag out at, at attorneys, potentially. They made it go away. Monkey you know, they, just they, used they... some of its leftover bucks that it had. It's a rainy day. But, but <laughs> it was employed. Sometimes, again, we're missing our, our resident legal expert. But as far as I'm aware, sometimes if just the investigation proves that it's self-defense, it doesn't go to trial. So. You okay, know. we need to move on. Let's get back to SMU. Obviously, a lot of times of our previews of uh, these games, whenever it comes down to like non-con, will be not as much of who we're looking for from SMU and what we're expecting there. It's more so like what we're looking for as Oklahoma. Like, what am I looking for and from this team, this game? And I think the two biggest things I already talked about early in this podcast, so I'll just rehash it. I think I want to see a pass rush. Can we get pressure on the quarterback? Can we get sacks? And then on the offensive side, can we see one RB you know, go ahead and be the RB1 in terms of snaps and big plays. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think I think that clarity is absolutely uh the prime question for you for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I see this one again, not to sleep on SMU, but this is naturally an extension of the previous game. We're going to dial up the difficulty just a little bit. We're going to mm -hmm. present a little bit of a different threat to this OU team when it comes to the, the opposing profile that, that we're going to be facing. But ultimately, this is a game that we should win. We should win by early in the second quarter. I think the game should be all but a formality. What is that it, 17 point. points, the spread right now? Uh, it opened at 17. So that's what we'll call mm -hmm. for it right now um, on our – pick show later the weekend spread on wednesday uh we'll have an updated line for that uh, but right now opened at uh, ou minus 17 yeah but i to jameson's point i i would like to see a more firm rb1 start to get established in this one um i think if we see the same thing out of the quarterback and receiver room that we saw this past week i will be very happy i just want to continue to see that same thing i think um, I want to see minimal play time from, from, you know, people where there's an injury risk. And I would like to see maybe not in an, an entire half, well, we didn't play an entire half, but at least an entire quarter from Jackson Arnold. Again, just looking at this as a practice situation, we're going to continue to just slowly dial up that difficulty on this team, ease into the water and really start to ramp up this hopefully empire that we're building under Brent Venables at OU. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think what, what we need to see is, you know, you brought it against Arkansas state. Can you bring it against a better opponent? I think the answer is yes. Um, you want to, you want, you want to see that stability that um, obviously that physicality shine through, but also, you know, that buttoned up lack of um, mistakes, um, 
play style that we saw defensively. I, I mean, primarily that's what I'm looking at more than anything um, and not to sleep on, you know, the Mustang defense, you know, they obviously showed out uh, in that first half against law tech, but Louisiana tech's offense, or sorry, Louisiana tech, uh, as if you Louisiana tech's offense is bad, but um, SMU's offense is really, really good. And I think that'll be a bit of a stress test, not proper, like not, this is not going to be the toughest team we're going to play all year. They're not Quinn yours. Uh, they're not Texas. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, mm. it's not is going Texas to be like. The, is Texas the toughest team we're going to play this year? Yes. Yes. Literally, the only team that could be I, tougher would be K-State. I, I, I didn't know that Rice was that good. Why does, why does Rice play Texas? No, so uh, because so they had a shot this year, because they had a shot to win this year. That's why. Yeah, well, if it, yeah, that's true. They 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 try to get to the moon, man. Uh, but anyway, Daniels and his dirty mustache had no chance. That guy looked horrible. But th- like, yeah, I, I let me let me say one thing um, more about this game and expectations. And I know people have been asking kind of like for an injury update, so I'll just kind of like make like an injury kind of like to this last game and what we're foreseeing for this SMU yeah. game. You know, Drake Stoops probably give him about a 50-50 shot to play. AC injury going to be pain, you know, driven. If it's more than a grade one, it's going to be a more serious injury. But if he truly was trying to get back into the game after um, his injury, um, I bet you he is able to play SMU. Let's just see if the injury, like, you know, the uh, medical staff wants him to play is if it's truly worth it. But with Desan McCullough, you know, his injury is probably a high ankle sprain from what the mechanism looks like. And that's a four to six week injury. And that's like something you don't screw around with these high ankles. You don't come back quickly. This is not your traditional. I rolled my ankle. Like your high ankle is like up, like on your shin. So these are not things you can really play through. And I think that makes it where can we see some different kind of play at the cheetah position? I wanted to see more Peyton Bowen there and we didn't get to see a lot of it, but maybe we might see it this game. There'll be snaps to be had at the cheetah behind Harrington. Let's see. You can go out and take those snaps. Yeah. I I do want to say for those watching on YouTube, we always encourage people to watch on YouTube. Uh, When Jameson was talking about the high ankle sprain and, and ankle sprains, we wanted to show a graphic but every ankle graphic we could find included feet. Caleb Williams would have been too excited. We are not in the business of giving out free feet. So, uh, But if we got another viewer, I, I'm just fine with that. That's on our streaming service. <laughs> One Pod more Plus. view. <laughs> Scooter Pod Plus is the exact same as you have right now for an extra $5.99. But These you, damn uh, Patreons. To, but you get to see our feet. You get the full full body experience. No, 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 no. Just yeah. Bobby's. Uh, I just envisioned Bobby's feet. Uh, all right. Oh, yeah. Not, <laughs> good. not good. Not good. <laughs> I wear open toe shoes uh, far too often. Wait, wait, Nobody wait, needs wait, to wait, see wait. that. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> Shout out to 1982. For, for, shout out to 1980. Shout. Why did I give y'all the ability to edit? Like I was trying to, to make it go show. away. Shout, shout out to 1982 Boomer Suter for bringing up that the team captains have been released for this week. Uh, Doug Gabriel, Walter Rouse, Andrew Rame, Woody Washington, and Jonah, uh, Jonah Lualu. Uh, so pretty good. Get, get this hell away, <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Hands no. up here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
This is why y'all got to watch on YouTube. Go subscribe if you're not already and you're just listening to us on podcasts because it just makes things so much more fun. Ty's got his hands up. He's refusing to not add anything to our graphics right now. And Bobby's been putting in some absolute work into our layouts, into our intro. So honestly, go check that out. Ty. <laughs> he's using his time. feet to click things it's why he's shot oh, right, no. right, 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 right. oh no, um, no, no, no okay right, so we gotta get out of I, here i will do i'll i'll turn it back to the series real quick a quick summation of what i'm expecting from smu again zero pre-snap penalties i know they're gonna happen this year i my memory might be wrong but i'm pretty sure we had zero last week that was an expectation they're gonna happen in games when things are loud when things are whatever we should not have them at home against SMU. Um, hopefully we tone back the sort of the personal foul penalties because, again, that stuff, whether it's excusable or coincidental or not, can't happen in big games. I think a, a shutout is possible. I don't think it'll happen this week because, again, slightly no, higher no, caliber no of chance. opponent. And, and I don't expect us to just stay on the gas defensively. We, we could make a shutout happen, I think, realistically. We're not going to keep the first team and throw out the playbook defensively in against SMU, hopefully, yeah, to, to make that happen. So is way too talented. They're going to put up 20-plus. <laughs> okay. All and right. I'll, Again, I'll say, we'll get into it on the some... weekend spread. Uh, Bobby and Jameson did not believe in this OU team this week. I, I didn't. Right? I, Blake I and I were the only ones. I didn't believe in the depth, but the depth was kind of there. Yeah. But, yeah, anyways, it, in short, no pre-snap penalties, no silly mistakes. I'm not expecting a shutout, but just continued simple execution and we'll win by four touchdowns. Yeah, I, mm. I mean, definitely not a shutout for OU here. That's, that's I think, a little unrealistic. If it is a shutout, that, I mean, then, yeah, you can be excited about this OU team. Like, crank those <laughs> expectations up. Get that hopium a-flowing. Uh, but, um, yeah, this, this, this game, OU's defense will be tested. It'll be a little bit trickier. Uh, but, you know, I think they'll I, I think they'll get the job done. I love the cover right now, just kind of early. We'll get to that on the weekend spread whenever we get to it. But um, no, I, I think this will be a fun test, a good test. It sh- it shouldn't be in question. It shouldn't be in danger. If it is in danger, I think you panic a little bit. But I, I think you'll see a little bit more push and pull uh, than you than you did last week, and definitely more than you will uh, next week against Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree. It's going to be a high scoring game. Take the over. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun too. So make sure to get ESPN Plus for that one. That that should be a good time, uh, to say the least. And get out to the palace, uh, strike the stadium. It should be fun. Uh, odd sections white, even se- sections crimson. So um, excited for that to return. Anyways, that's all we have for today. Thank you all so much for listening live on YouTube. If you're listening on podcast, thank you for listening as well. Hope uh, we made your uh, return back from the long weekend a little less crappy. Mm-hmm. So, hey, wait, hold on. We'll normally be on Sundays. Just as a programming note, we did this on Monday because I know everyone wanted to watch that LSU Florida State game. We will be recording Sunday evenings at 730 Central every single week we will be consistent if you like watching this on youtube that is when we will be on so be ready then and there and then on wednesdays at 7 30 central for the weekend spread where we talk about um college football's best picks of the week yeah and we got some good ones this week it's a very big 12 heavy week uh that i'm super pumped to talk about to say the least um i don't think we did very good we didn't do no, very good again I'm, but it's I'm it, atrocious 
but it's but it's but it's been more entertaining. It's it's entertaining to say the least. So uh, make sure to tune in seven thirty for the weekend spread. Uh, and again, these should be th- these will be on Sundays. This is, let's be real though. The Labor Day Monday is a sun. It's an honorary Sunday, anyways. So it still counts. It's still consistent. Um, but yeah. Well, for me, Jameson and Ty, this has been the Schooner Pod. Thank y'all so much for listening to us. Um, make sure to, again, if you're uh, on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Give, give us a like. We would love to see that. Just keep running this thing up. Um, love, would love to see that. Uh, and if you're, you know, listening on your podcasting app, make sure to give us a good review. Uh, love to see that as well. Helps us grow. Helps us produce more content, better content. Um, and yeah, I, I, we, we all deeply, deeply appreciate it. And thank you all for, uh, you know supporting us and all of the kudos uh for us after we you know joined sellout crowd um a lot of cool stuff coming there and uh you know make sure make sure go to selloutcrowd.com check them out so much good content i mean they they've just been pumping it out you know barry trammell uh eli letterman what an opening weekend for them it was it was stellar yeah it's been really like you're just swimming in the content it's it's beautiful so Definitely hit up Sellout Crowd. Uh, it's free. No subs- no no paywall. Just dive right in. Go right for it. Got to give it a shot. It's it's just truly wonderful. So, um, yeah, that this has been the longest. Yeah, Jenny Carlson. Of course, how could I forget her? She's wonderful. Uh, Gary Name. Uh, I can never pronounce that guy's name. Uh, anyways, Bob let's end the podcast. Yeah, Bob Stoops <laughs> making appearances with and Gary. Gary Patterson. <laughs> I know. And then us um, doing college football. You're damn which right. Of ones, which of Somehow. these ones is not like the other, man? The, uh, the fish are different sizes, but we're in the same pond, baby. Hey. I know. We're, we're like, like SMU in the ACC. Yeah. They're, oh, my God. <laughs> the Bobby would say that yes to anything. We're like, we're oh, like oh, TCU yeah. in the Big 12. We oh, shouldn't man. be here, but we are. That's good. That's good. Uh, anyways, y'all, that's all we got for today. Have a great week everyone and we will see you on wednesday for the weekend spread beat smu boomer sooner everyone